I was stupid and naive and thought that it was a good idea to try to do all the things at once. And I don't think that's like a path that most people should do. I think you should focus on a couple of things and do them really well. Hello and welcome back to Indie Bites, the podcast writing you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. Today I'm joined by Jay Klaus, who's the founder of Creator Science, which is a membership, community, newsletter and podcast helping you build a creator business. He's bootstrapped it to over 40k a month towards the end of last year and his podcast is one of the best produced shows out there. It's on my shortlist of shows that I know I can listen to every single episode and I know I'm going to love it. I think the creator business angle is interesting for indie hackers who haven't quite found their product yet and want to build something. Creating content and speaking to people in your niche can help you find pain points and problems while also building extra income for yourself. Now Jay's journey started out with a newsletter and now he has tens of thousands of people subscribed to his content. And you know what? I think this is something worth considering for all indie founders. Which leads me very nicely onto introducing the brand new sponsor for Indie Bytes this year, which is Email Octopus. Email Octopus is an indie email marketing platform built to support other growing businesses like yours. They are focused on affordability and ease of use, which is perfect when you're starting out as a bootstrapper. Email Octopus contains all of the features you need to reach and grow your audience. You can start today without paying a penny on their free plan where you can contact up to 2,500 subscribers. I've taken the advantage of this myself by launching the Indie Byte, my new companion newsletter to go along with the show. To try Email Octopus, head to emailoctopus.com or hit the link in the show notes. Jay, welcome to the pod. How are you doing? I can't believe you got all you got through all of that straight without like any hiccups. <laughs> Did you practice that? I'm just, I was very good at reading the, reading the intro. That would be script. so stressful for me if I was doing that in front of the person. Kudos. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about Creative Elements, the show. What a wonderful show this is, Jay. So t- tell me about starting the show and what made you put so much effort into making such a good production. I used to have even more of a hodgepodge of stuff. Like in 2019, when I was concepting this show... I was doing another podcast called Upside, which I love to do. It was a podcast about startup companies that were not based in Silicon Valley. I was also, you know, doing my email newsletter. I was doing some consulting. I had a a platform called Freelancing School, which still exists, but there wasn't really a through line to all of these things. Mm. It was just me creating a bunch of like one-off projects. And I became increasingly frustrated with how inefficient all the things I was doing were and how misaligned they were. But I love the audio medium. So as I got closer and closer towards the the world of creators and creativity and just making stuff as an individual, I decided that I wanted to lean into the audio medium, but have a show that touched on that. And I had a previous conversation with a guy named Jeff who runs a podcast network called The Podglomerate. We were talking about Upside, that other podcast. And he said there wasn't really much interest on his part of bringing that show onto the network because it had already launched. And so his interest in bringing on an established show would be in if it had a large audience, which we didn't really. But he said, if you would have come to me earlier and we worked on this before and through launch, we would have been able to influence the launch of that show. So I had that in the back of my mind. And I thought, if I'm never going to start another show, I'm going to go to the podglomerate, see if they would take it and try to launch with a network so that I'm not just doing everything on my own. And so I went to him with a little bit of an idea, but even with that idea, I had recorded a prototype episode and I had commissioned artwork and I had even commissioned custom music. And he like gave me pretty direct feedback where he's like, there's a show here, it's okay, but it's an interview show. There are a million interview shows. And at the time, like my intros of the show were like a, 
10 to 15 minute ramble like Mark Marin in his WTF podcast. He was like, that sucks. No one knows who you are. They don't care. <laughs> Tighten it up, script it. He pointed me towards a show on the Gimlet podcast network called without fail. He was like, this is a really well-structured and produced show. You should listen to that and see if you can take some inspiration and maybe even have some like voiceover throughout the show. So I did listen to that and I did take some inspiration from that. I took some inspiration from tropical MBA and the way that they do their intros as well and brought together a tighter show. And he wanted a few months of lead time before launching so that they could get the marketing machine rolling a little bit with their relationships. My first two published episodes were Seth Godin and James Clear. Yeah. That was a strong way to go out of the gates. So you were saying Jeff from Podglomerate helped you craft a show that was different to the other shows out there. What are some different angles, premises, formats, points of differentiation you might be able to have? Well, I, th I do think length is one of them. I think that there's a lot of space for shorter shows. I don't think you need to be weekly. That is an opinion a lot of people make that is not necessary. Here's the reason why some of the biggest shows in the world release weekly or even more frequently. It's money. The more you publish, the more ad inventory you have, the more available spots for advertisers to put their message. So there's a direct correlation between the number of episodes you publish and the money you can make. In the beginning, if you don't have sponsors, that doesn't matter. You could do seasonal instead of ongoing. A lot of people think that if I commit to a podcast that I'm making an episode per week until I die, but you could say, no, I'm going to create specific seasons with a focus or a viewpoint or a premise and a certain number of episodes and then pause for a minute and then do another season. You don't have to have guests. You don't have to make it an interview show. I think we have plenty of interview shows. Could be a solo show, you know, to kind of bring this full circle Next year, a big priority for me is increasing the number of episodes I publish because money and also because I want to introduce more solo episodes because every time I put out a solo episode or an episode where I'm interviewed, it performs really, really well. I, I want to move on to your bread and butter, which is building a creator business beyond just your podcast, your show. When you started Creative Elements, was your plan to turn this into the J Klaus media empire that you currently have? And then what were the stages of introducing each new product, new course, the newsletter, workshops, and so on? Like this journey for me began in 2017 when I started writing a newsletter, which was basically like my diary. <laughs> It was basically me saying like, here's what, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm learning. And it was just okay, but it was, it didn't have a lot of direction. Then I started as a way of making income because I leapt into full-time self-employment as a way of making income. I started facilitating mastermind groups. And so I would have these like basically group coaching calls. And those people I thought would be startup founders. And they turned out to be mostly creative people who could make really great things. Uh, they did great work, but they didn't quite understand business. And I really loved working with them because there was just so much love and compulsion behind like why they were doing things they wanted to do. Like all they cared about was doing what they wanted to do and making really cool things that were distinctly them. And I loved that. And along the same time, I discovered like the world of online courses and like the business model of being a content creator. 
And it so spoke to me because my life leading up to that point was in product management. I was in a, like I was in startups, but the frustrating thing about startups and product, I thought I had to work through a committee of people like engineers and designers and try to translate my vision to them. It never came out the other side, the way that I intended, they wanted to put their stamp on it too. And when I realized that content is a product, it just was so amazing. I was like, oh, I can make my own things and I can not compromise. I, I can make sure that my vision is fully realized. And I just stepped further and further in that direction. That's ultimately what led me to start the podcast. Jay, your community, your membership, the lab has accounted for almost 50% of your revenue this year. You did this wonderfully open profit and loss post that you shared from September. You did like 40,000 in membership revenue in September. Why did you want to do a membership and how are you doing it so well and able to charge the amount you do for it? Well, I have a lot of experience in online community at this point. I mentioned that in 2017, I started this facilitated mastermind group called Unreal Collective. And outside of those calls, I realized that I wanted to communicate with those people, you know, more than once a week. So I put together a Slack for the community. In 2017, that was not like as in vogue as it is now. People didn't like see that all the time. And over the course of three, almost four years, that Slack community grew to be about 110 people. And that caught the eye of Matt Gartland, who is Pat Flynn's business partner, Pat Flynn of Smart Passive Income. In 2020, when the pandemic hit, they decided to fast track a project idea they had, which was building an online community. And they hired me to come in and consult on the project. So I came in and helped them put together the concept and launch it and staff it. And at the end of 2020, they said, this is going really well. We would love to hire you to come in and lead our community team. And I said, I have too much going on. I can't do all of that. <laughs> and they said, well, what if we acquire your community and basically absorb it? And you can take all the time you would put into that and build community for SPI. I thought that was a pretty attractive idea. So we did that and I worked at SPI all through 2021. We did all kinds of stuff. Like we had the membership community. We had a course community. We ran something like six cohort based courses and I managed all of that. My business grew throughout last year, even though I was doing no service revenue, I was doing all like product and affiliate stuff and the business was growing and I couldn't do both anymore. So I, I decided to leave the organization, go out full-time on my own again in January of this year. And I missed community. Like I, it was a skill set that I had. It was something that I was good at. It was something that I now didn't have for myself as a creator. So over the course of like three months, I, I put together a concept for who it was for, what it was for, really pressure tested some of my assumptions, but it's, it's, you know, close to five years of experience building online mm -hmm. community, putting that together. And I thought I could do some unique things too. So it's something that I feel like I have a strength for and I missed it. And I recognize that if I did it well, there was a good financial opportunity there too. Mm -hmm. And that's proven to be true. I'm curious about having so much going on because you have all of these different revenue streams, each of which for some people could be their sole business. How do you manage doing all of it? And why did you feel you wanted to just like layer on revenue streams as opposed to just, I'm going to focus on one thing. Well, there's, there's two things. One, I was stupid and naive and thought that it was a good idea to try to do all the things at once. Hmm. And I don't think that's like a path that most people should do. I think you should focus on a couple of things and do them really well, but I am so good at 
uh, I wouldn't quite say automating things, but like building processes that support things that yeah. they require not a ton of input from me. And I'm also really good at managing my own time. So once I build something that's working, it's pretty easy for me to maintain it. And then that becomes like a new baseline level of normal and I can add on top of it. The reason that I haven't cut back and removed some of these things that I now see as like almost distractions and taking like everything has an opportunity cost. If I'm spending any time on Instagram is taking away from time I could put onto Twitter. But the reason I haven't reeled back from that is because my business is kind of agnostic in what type of creators I can help and what they're, what platforms they're building on. I almost feel like I need to have a pretty good working knowledge of just about everything. So I've put myself in kind of an awkward situation where I I feel like I have to maintain these things and continue to get better and more knowledgeable about all these areas. And after like years of brute force and work, it's starting to play together really nicely in concert because they all feed each other, but it's really hard to do them all to the degree that I'm doing. It's taking a lot of work. And I don't think I would recommend that path to most people. I think I would say you should take the strategy of, I'm gonna do one thing really, really well, when that begins to feel saturated, then I'll branch out. I think that's a way to build a larger business faster and probably a larger business in totality. How much do you work? A lot. I mean, it's it all kind of blends together because like the beauty of the life I've built for myself is as much as I would love to be a morning person, I just can't quite get there. I'm starting to get to the point where I can wake up at 7 a.m., but I'm still not getting out of bed until like eight. And then I will like start the morning with a little bit of creative work or like putting out fires. Then I'll go to the gym or go for a, like an hour long walk. Then I'll make coffee. Most days I'm not even starting work until like 11 o'clock. And then mid afternoon, I'll often like take some time to do something else if there's time on my calendar. But then I'll also like be sort of working up until eight o'clock or something. Yeah, so it all kind of blends together. I would guess that I probably work about 40 to 60 hours a week in some form or fashion because I also put time in on the weekends, but it doesn't feel like that. Where would you start if you were someone who is interested in doing something creative? Most creators, how do you even venture to say, like maybe all creators who aren't getting the traction that they want, what they're probably lacking is a point of view. Like you mm. need to have a fundamentally unique point of view that is worth following you know, I'm, I'm helping people build online businesses. There are a million people like that. It's, it's not that I am the most unique person saying this is, this is a new business model. No, online business has been a thing for a long time. It's the point of view that I have of how to do that. And, and that you don't need to be like this breakthrough, brilliant artist to do it, that actually you can like follow data and and like a very iterative, almost product development process for doing this. I think that point of view resonates with people differently. That's what a lot of people are missing. And the hard thing about a point of view is that it comes from having experience or being a student of some industry or, or something. So like be someone who's very interested in learning about a specific thing so you can understand the landscape and carve out your own unique point of view within it. Jay, you've been an amazing guest. I end the podcast on three recommendations, a book, a podcast, and an indie hacker slash entrepreneur you should follow or are inspired by. I am a, still a massive fan of how to win friends and influence people. Yeah. Podcast. I've been spending a lot of time this week listening to a show called Bandsplain. 
And then Indie Creator. So many people that I would love to shed some light on. I gotta pick one. I will say Justin Moore is a good friend of mine and we swim in similar circles. He also helps creators, but he focuses specifically on brands and sponsorships as a way of earning a living as a creator. So Justin Moore, Creator Wizard, give him a, sh- uh, a look. Jay, great recommendations. Thank you so much for joining this episode of Indie Bites. Hey, thanks, James. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Indie Bites. Don't forget to check out our brand new sponsor, Email Octopus, and subscribe to my newsletter, The Indie Bite. To further support the show and hear the full 45-minute conversation with Jay, you can join the membership. All links are in the show notes. As usual, see you in the next episode. <laughs>